and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. This is Irreverent, Faith and Current Affairs. Welcome everyone to Irreverent, Faith and Current Affairs with me, Jamie Franklin, and with Thomas Pelham today, Revs with a Difference, talking about the main stories of the week, uh, whatever stories come up in our news feed basically or people send us emails about them and uh, the, bare, the bare minimum of research that we bother to do loads of time and effort yeah. into this show into this um, show so but, oh, it's day and night on day and night it's good to, it's good to be back jamie I've, well, I've, i missed the last two because um i've been away on a cycling holiday salisbury which is wonderful mm-hmm. great mm-hmm. lovely lovely countryside um terrible weather yeah and uh I mean, literally, um, there were points where if I had dived into a swimming pool, I'd have probably got drier. Um, right. It was, it was <laughs> like that. But um, yes. it was, it was nice to stretch the legs and, and get out and about. And we stayed in Serum College. Have you been? Have you been to Salisbury? Do you know it? I know Salisbury. I've never been to Salisbury. Serum College. Yeah. No, it's, uh, I mean, I went to the. I went to your ordination at the cathedral. You did, yeah. Of course, you did. Serum College is opposite the cathedral, so it's really quite yeah. a privileged place to stay. Oh. Um, it's a. Um, it was the old um, Salis- uh, summer uh, Wells and um, Wiltshire Wells and Salisbury um, Theological College, right? Called the Church of England shutdown, sort of localized theological training uh, yeah. residential. Yeah. So it's a bit. It's a bit like Cuddleston or something like that. It's it's um, yeah. sort of institutional um, Victorian building. Nice, nice, um, nice. Very good. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. Used to, used to have a very good bookshop, but it's gone now. Oh, that's a shame, isn't it? Yeah. When, when good bookshops shut down. That is that could that should be the name of a documentary. We should make it, Tom. You and me, imagine that. When good bookshops shut down with Reverends Jamie Franklin and Tom Pelham, we just go around just frowning at, at empty former glorious. Did you bookshops. did you ever used to watch um the sort of heyday of Channel Four comedy, um, Black Books? Oh yeah, yeah. I've seen written by Graham yeah. Lynham, yeah. Um Great fun. Uh, is, is it written by Graham? Graham, Graham Lynham, yeah. Was D- Dylan Moran wrote it, surely. Uh, it's Graham Lynham with Dylan Moran. I'm pretty certain. Oh, I shall check it. Okay. okay, all right. Yeah, I loved that when I was a teenager. I always found it really funny. Uh, I mean, he obviously starred. Um, yeah, he Moran. did. He was he was Bill co-creator. Oh, was he? Um, I didn't know that. So he's, he's done the three great comedies, hasn't he, um, Graham Lynham? He's done uh, Father Ted. Yeah. Classic. Yeah. Uh, Black Books yeah. and... IT crowd or its crowd, depending on. Yeah, yeah. I, to be honest, I never really got the IT crowd in the same way as the other two. I watched it a few times, but I was just like, yeah. That's, it's, there's a very funny episode which has now been cancelled about a, tra- a transgender um, uh, lady um, who, right. um, who, uh, um, who, uh, and and the the boss uh, has, um, has IT in, problems. No, falls the boss. The boss of the company falls in love with them. Um, played um, by um, oh, I can't remember the name. Um, this is excellent. Um, some pretty good comic comic um people there matt berry oh yeah yeah matt very berry, funny yeah, yeah. yeah he's um, the guy he's toast of london isn't he that's a very rude but quite funny show um, um anyway um it's been linahem himself has been in trouble because he has been against the trans thing hasn't he he's yeah kind of, yeah he's been targeted and now he's a shell of his former self Right. Well, I don't know if he's a shell of his former self. Is he? He's um, pretty. I read an article with him about his so um... marriage is broken up and he doesn't have any work and stuff. Yeah, it's really sad. That's sad. That is sad. Um... Yeah, I'm, I'm not joking about it. I mean, it's serious, mm. serious stuff. This well, hopefully, culture. Hopefully, yes. He was married to um, Helen uh, Serafinovitz, whose brother Peter was also a comic. 
wasn't he? He um, played um, the the what was it Toad in Star Wars Episode One, didn't he? Did he? No, 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 he didn't. No, he would. He definitely was something in Star Wars, though. That, no, I'm that Toad person is like a karate kind of martial arts person. He definitely what Toad person. Do you mean do you mean Jar Jar Binks? No, not Jar Jar Binks. No, I haven't seen that film for ages. Rubbish. No, I don't. Um, <laughs> they're not very good, are they? Um, he was Darth Maul, the voice. Oh, is that who he was? Yeah. Right. Okay. Oh, that's what I was thinking of. Yeah. Um, but um, I may have even been getting the films mixed up. <laughs> I think I'm about to think of X Men. All <laughs> uh, oh, right. Yeah, because Toads didn't really feature in Star yeah, Wars. I mean, so. Honestly, honestly, who cares? It's just this is just uh, a trivia. These are all trivialities that, that Satan sends into the world to distract us from. Are they? it's quite funny and he's he's quite a funny character anyway um and uh he plays he's in space which is another one of those great channel four comedies um when the the problem is it's um all these places are too woke to make good comedy now because good comedy relies on being edgy uh, a bit like reverend you know edgy sharp edges satirical yeah yeah this is where people come for comedy nowadays which is sad because it shouldn't be well I mean, we are quite funny. <laughs> well, we do our best. Well, not really. We just to be ourselves, don't we? Yeah, yeah, um, absolutely. We're slightly kind of um, uh, slightly radio versions of ourselves, I'd say. Like in real life, uh, actually, no, you're pretty much as you are. Yeah, no, um, I'm just the same everywhere. The same everywhere. Um, uh, there's there what you see is what you get. I think it's the same with you, Tom. Definitely, that's that's why I like being friends with you. If I'm honest, yeah. there's no yeah. side to you. You're just you're just who you are. I'm not worried that there's something you know hidden. That's just going to suddenly reveal itself to me. Either that or I'm a very, very good actor. I know you're a sort of neurotic narcissist, but (laughs) it's just clear. (laughs) Joke, obviously. Obviously, it's a joke. Not either of those things. Um, Um, uh, Quite the opposite. A couple of notices, Tom, just before you come. Um, Thank you to everyone who's been filling in the church search forms. They are going up gradually. Uh, just so you know, uh, we've got them all. It just takes a bit of time to put them up. Uh, this is our church search on our website, reverendpod.com. Uh, click on Church Finder. And this is just to help people to find churches in their area because we have lots of people um, who listen who'd like to go to church, maybe found faith recently or would like to go back to church, don't know where to go to church. So we've got this helpful Church Finder map where people leave reviews. It's kind of like a really positive uh, trip finder for churches. I asked for churches in the West Midlands. I said, Please, if you live in the West Midlands or if you know good churches in the West Midlands, put them down. And lots of people have. So there are now some churches in Birmingham and in the West Midlands area. So thank you very much for that. And if you have a church, you can just find the form that you need to fill in on the same uh, page, 11pod.com, and then click on Church Finder, fill out the form. Don't send me an email saying I recommend such and such a church. Uh, because that that's not necessarily very helpful because i need i need to get the form so send me the form please um and you can you can recommend any church even if you don't go to it so please do that um no one's still no one's put my church up must be said i'll get i'll get you upset put your, you put your own church I don't, it just feels like it just feels like you know boasting my church is up you put your church up did you yeah which are you where is it in winchester full fat orthodox anglo-catholicism that's a contradictory surely that's that's a that's a that's that cannot be it's just like a you know you cannot have orthodox anglo-catholicism anyway um <laughs> ridiculous um, um uh, yeah but you are you are indeed the host of the reverend podcast um i i put that down yeah daniel's yeah. one is funny he's put his up and it's like uh it says something like you know blah 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 Sulkin, blah 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 the host the uh the vicar is none other than daniel french the host of irreverend pod which is quite <laughs> funny that way and then it says and then it says you know hyphen daniel like written by him yeah, yeah. quite funny yeah um, yeah that's good, good. one good. other one other notice um yeah. march for life 
uh, 11 meetup um, is happening. So that's a Saturday, September the 7th. It starts in the Emmanuel Centre, which is in Westminster um, in central London. And I think we're going to meet there at half 10. So it's just anyone who'd like to come along. I'm going to be there. Just going to have a sort of meeting point for for Reverend listeners. Uh, the precise meeting point is still to be um, decided. Um, and uh, just put it in your diary. Saturday, September the 7th, March for Life. Um, it's basically an organisation that um, speaks out for unborn children and against the practice of abortion and um, lots and lots of uh, it's a Christian organisation. Obviously, lots and lots of Christians will be there and other um, people of good faith. And um, yeah, really recommend people come along. I've never been before and I've wanted to go for ages. So um, somebody uh, suggested that we do an irreverent meetup uh, there. And I said, yeah, why not? So that's going to happen sa- Saturday, September the 2nd which is only in a couple of weeks um, at uh, the Emmanuel Centre in London. And it goes on, I think, all day. Unfortunately, I've got a wedding. Um, yeah, like can't be there. Neither can Daniel. Because Vickers work on Saturdays. And that's that's true. It's true. It's just I'm not, I'm not working on this Saturday. Oh, well, yeah. not, not, I don't consider this to be work. I consider this to be um, something, you know, like a privilege to do to do such a thing. Anyway, Tom, those are my notices. Uh, shall we do so? So now it's exciting because we're going to do our scripture. Uh, we thought we'd start reading bits from the book of Acts because we haven't really talked about the book of Acts and uh, we, we'll probably dot around a bit. We'll just have this going in the background like a kind of yeah. throbbing heartbeat. Um, so we'll say a prayer and then we'll read. Uh, we're going to read the first five verses of the book of the Acts of the Apostles, which, if you don't know, comes after the book of John. It's the sequel. That it's a sequel, sequel to Luke. It's a sequel to Luke, written by yeah. Luke. Uh, we'll get into that in a minute. So it's confusing for people, isn't it? Because if you didn't know the Bible, you've got Luke, you've got John, and then, oh, you've got the sequel to Luke after John. Shouldn't it be after Luke? No, because the four Gospels go together. And then Acts comes next, historically. Anyway, let's do um, a prayer, shall we? Um, shall I do the Lord's Prayer today, Tom? Yeah. Okay, let us pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive them that trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. All right. Pretty good. I've got it here, so I'll read so, it. Like, okay. Do you want to? Are you going to say you can? You can read it. Right, I, I can. I can read it. Yeah. Yeah. Just, you can, uh, just, you what, what, which which version do you want? Which which should we go for? Well, I've I've got the ESV here. Which I tend to use, but you can just yeah. Use, like, don't come the NIV, please, not the NIV. I quite like the nearly infallible version. Um, <clears throat> okay, here we are. This is the King James nearly, nearly intelligible version. <laughs> 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 the former treatise I have I made, O Theophilus, <laughs> of all that Jesus began both to do and teach, until the day in which he was taken up. After that, he through the Holy Ghost had given commandments unto the apostles whom he had chosen to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which, saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost, not many days hence. Very nice. So, yeah, in the former, you have the former treaties in the in the first book, of Theophilus. That's obviously talking about the book of Luke, addressed yeah. to this patron called Theophilus, lover of God, 
Yeah. And, and um, I mean, the sort of debate, isn't there, as to whether he's a sort of historical figure or a sort of um, a uh, literary trope. A literary trope, you know, doesn't really matter. But he could well be a person. Um, so it's, it's obviously a person. It's obviously a person. Um, and uh, and it just makes it clear um, that the two uh, follow on straight from one to the other. Indeed, they're, they're immediate sort of sequels. There's no gap between the two. He almost um, acts, sums up the last few yeah. Uh, moments of Luke's gospel in the first uh, in the first um, few verses, which we see here. Um, There's the so... overlap, isn't it? The ascension is the kind of overlapping point, I think, because yeah. he does mention the ascension at the end of the book of Luke. I'm just looking yeah. up to Luke now, just to, just to, yeah, it's right at the end of the book of Luke, isn't it? Um, yeah, so you've got that. So the first book dealt with all Jesus began to do and teach. So if you want to know about what Jesus did, go to the book of Luke and read that. Until the day was taken up, speaking about the ascension, after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, um, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. 40 days being a um, significant number, I think it's fair to say, isn't it, Tom? It's certainly 40 significant. You've got 40 years in the wilderness. You've got 40 days of um, uh, of the temptation in the desert. Um, and here you have the 40 days of yeah. Jesus's post-resurrection um, time on Earth, I think the flood was forty days as well, wasn't it? It depends uh, exactly how you read it. Actually, um, certainly the, the the forty days is mentioned, but um, I, I, it it really depends. It's 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 um, um, it depends how you read it. Hmm. Forty days there being kind of full period of time. So yeah, there's a sort of fullness to it. As um, is it Pajot, symbolism happens. I mean. It's, mm. it's not. It doesn't make it uh, sort of less likely just because Jesus happened to have a round number of days on Earth, but rather that he chose to, to remain or with the Father, of course, and the Holy Spirit. Um, of those forty days to symbolise completeness um, mm. uh, in his in his ministry. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah, I like that. That's very nice. Um, speaking about the kingdom of God, while staying with them, and I've got a footnote here saying eating. What have you got in your? You're being kidding. assembled together with them so you don't have any you don't have you've just got a staying you've got a staying what does the I mean, um... sorry, i've got i've got staying uh the greek word is do, 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 do. uh it is sunalixomenos which means eat with or assemble so it could yeah, mean either one but i mean it's quite i mean is it it is in the luke's um and i think in john's the eating is important isn't it um gospel uh where um i think he, he eats a bit of broiled fish is that john yeah. or luke yeah, um, uh, john. Yeah. Yeah. and uh he eats um when he sees them once and then the second time he uh he makes a barbecue fish mm -hmm. for breakfast um so eating um sort of re-emphasizes this kind of idea that it's that his you know resurrection body was human and he had it had you know he had to eat he well, corporeal body or he could eat um uh it was um it was functioned um it wasn't yeah. a uh, spirit yeah absolutely and um and it's also the pattern of our resurrection as well isn't it so at the end of history yeah. there'll be a resurrection of the dead whereby the bodies of all who have died will be raised which the uh the apostle paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 15 this yeah. is one area where plato was not right uh, according to christian worldview because plato talked about you know transmigration of souls and that idea is obviously influential um in Christianity to the extent that lots of people think that that is the, the Christian vision of the afterlife, that our souls go away and be with God. And then that's that. 
but actually there's a bodily resurrection as well, uh, which uh, Tom Wright, famous Anglican bishop, calls life after life after death, uh, which he talks about in his book, um, Surprised by Hope, which is a good book. Isn't that uh, C.S. Lewis? That's no, Surprised by Joy, isn't it? Surprised by Joy, both good mm. books. Uh, and also slightly more weighty is uh, Tom Wright's book, The Resurrection of the Son of God, mm. uh, which is one of his big books. I've only I've only read re- read half of it, but I think oh, yeah, I've got it up I, there somewhere. I got I got the gist, having read about however many like four hundred pages of this. Oh, no, I've just got Jesus, Jesus. Yeah, Jesus and the uh, can't remember what it's called. Jesus the and something of God, isn't it? Is it called Jesus and the Mission of God? I can't remember. Anyway, he's got loads of big books. <laughs> have you, big read, books have you read any of them, Tom? No, of course not. They just sit yeah. on my shelf. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, at least I've read half of the Resurrection. Um, they, I, no, I have actually read. Um, I read his treatise on um, on the new interpreters of Paul. Oh, um, which, um, what, what's some, Paul really said? Some, uh, no, no, no. So, some new perspectives on Paul by N.T. Wright. It's a sort of... Um, oh, yeah. Um, it's quite good, actually. It, it went through all of the heresies and showed why they were sort of slightly less certain <laughs> than. than um, no, that's not quite fair. He, I mean, N.T. Wright is part of the um, new perspective of Paul um, sort of movement, isn't he, with E.P. Sanders? But he's, he's obviously, unlike Sanders, um, N.T. Wright's actually a Christian. Um, so, yeah. well, uh, which yeah. is which is a helpful thing. Yeah. Um, for... yeah, this is a, this is a separate issue, though. That this isn't really relevant to the ton- topic of resurrection, is it? No, nor not to Acts one one to five, uh, for that matter. But anyway, um, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, let's just carry on with this for a minute. Um, um, so Jesus right. came came back to them, being assembled to them, he ate with them, um, commanded them um, to stay in Jerusalem and wait for the promised uh, Spirit, um, and then that, that sort of um, that sets us up for Pentecost, which is going to be the first uh, sort of big event that uh, after the ascension that the Acts deals with, um, and and the sort of the this. Um, I think it's quite clear then um, that what we have is is a couple of important claims coming out of Acts that the early church church is completely continuous with the church of uh, you know the, the, with the with the disciples and the apostles and the yeah. and the ministry of Christ yes. you know the two overlap there's no disjointness it's not sort of something that was made up um, kind of years later um, it's, but it's rather yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, um, the 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 early church um, and uh, and and the sort of extraordinary things that we're about to discover in Acts follow on naturally from Jesus's extraordinary ministry on Earth, um, and um, uh, and and the second uh, I can't remember what the second thing I was going to say was. So over to you, Jamie. No, I'm really interested in what the second point was going to be. Yeah, I know. So I mean, all, I. all I was going to say was just quite simply that you know if you think about the Gospel of Luke and the other Gospels as being about you know the Acts and the life of Jesus, this is about the the early church you know it's called the acts of the apostles but this is what the earliest church looked like um and then you have like you you quite rightly say tom there's no there's no there's no break between christ the apostles and the early church and this is the this is this what i would call the small c catholic understanding what the church actually is it's something that's historical that comes from christ and the apostles and comes all the way through with all of its flaws all of its brokenness, all of its apostasies comes all the way through to us um, today that we're part of this one universal church. If you don't like the word Catholic, you can use the word universal instead. Uh, no problem with the word Catholic. Um, G.K. Chesterton, um, interesting chap. I must do some more research on him. But he he called the tradition of the church sort of giving 
uh, votes to the Christians that had gone before. You know, the, this idea that um, that we have to pay heed to that because it's you know it's it's part of the, the foundations on what we which we built now. Um, mm-hmm. It's what tradition is. Tradition is giving giving the votes to the people who've gone before. It's not. Um, the people who built what we have. Um, yeah, he has that phrase, democracy of the dead, doesn't he? I don't yeah, know democracy of the dead, that's it. Yeah. Church. But yeah, and also um, C.S. Lewis in the Screwtape Letters, one of the wonderful, I love that book, but one of the, uh, and I mention it obvious, often, but one of the things I really enjoy about that is his description of the church, you know, how the, the devil wants to sort of make you think that the church is sort of just entirely characterised by the squeaking of the you know the the baker in the the pew, the squeaking of the shoes of the baker in the pew next to you, or the annoying way somebody sings, or you know some grubby man who gives you a hymn book when you walk in, and he wants the devil wants to sort of take your eyes off of the fact that the church is this this um, this majestic army that spans through throughout the centuries and is you know it numbers multitude upon multitude in heaven, and that the church on earth that we see now is just one one part of that. I think that's a beautiful part of the Screwtape Letters, you know, to to yeah. to remember the Catholicity of the Church, and also that that helps you when you see the brokenness and the 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 parochial, not parochial, that's not the right word, but the way that the Church seems so marginal in our culture and seems to be so relegated and sidelined to to recognise that this is just the this is just the moment that the Church finds itself in on Earth. The Church militant is the technical term, but the Church in Heaven church triumphant the church ascendant is is an awesome thing uh, which one day will 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 enter into the fullness of uh, in heaven with all the saints so anyway tom having said that should we talk about some stories yeah go on then well it's it's so it's this one this first one tom this is really bad and i just want to i just want to point this out that how bad and terrible this is but apparently you'll never you'll never believe this but um there there have been some people going around who have been um who have been what, what's the word um vigilante vigilantes who have been going around uh desecrating uh Ule's cameras and and stopping them from from working so that they can charge um uh, road users uh the Sadiq Khan's Ule's tax they 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 they're called blade runners apparently they've been according to the daily mail brazenly sabotaging cameras using uh, a tree lopper and what's worse tom is that they've been doing this in broad daylight apparently in front of crowds of people gathered outside pubs and everyone's been applauding them and telling them that they're doing their heroes and they're doing a good job so uh, shocking stuff obviously obviously can't condone illegal activity um, <laughs> but, no, I'm um completely opposite it's terrible it's awful uh, we should be we should be stopping these Blade Runners. Uh, it's a cool name. Um, isn't it? You a cool name. Well, it's a great film. One of my, one of my favourite films. Yeah, of course, Blade film. Runner. Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I don't really hold with the sequel. No, I'm not going to watch it's, it. It's good. It's good until the end. But anyway, sorry. I'm not going to watch it's it. Irre- irrelevant. irrelevant. Um, the um, the um, but I mean, there's there's a sense here that that really um, it shouldn't be politicians should be very careful about forcing things through against sort of general democratic wishes which i think is is the case here um the the suburbs of london do not want this uh and um this is what sort of happens if you have that disjoint um now even even outside of the electoral kind of cycle politicians still have a duty to sort of uh to represent the the sort of um the wishes of those who've elected them you, you don't you can't just act as a dictator um and if yeah. you if you do, this is what happens. You get widespread disobedience, widespread um, 
kind of um, movements against it. So, um, is it, uh, is it is it always wrong, Tom, to dissent uh, illegally? Would you say? I mean, say, so is, would it, is it always wrong from a Christian perspective, for example, to uh, withhold withhold payment of a tax? Do you think, or what's your view? Um, Somebody I, said this to me the other day when we were saying about the ULES charge and how outrageous it was. Somebody said, well, you know, Jesus said, you know, render unto God what is God. Yeah, what, I mean, I'm tempted. Render unto Caesar what belongs to Caesar. So does that just mean that you just should pay all taxes regardless of how unjust, that you should allow Sadiq Khan to put ULES cameras in your house so that he can watch you undressing and tax you for it? I mean, what what, what what's your view? Um, I think... Uh... Well, I, I just remembered about the temple. T- it came up in morning uh, uh, Eucharist yesterday, um, uh, Eucharistic reading, uh, and in, from Matthew, the temple tax, and and uh, the, uh, what was it? It's quite an interesting one. Peter, um, Peter's asked by the synagogue leaders, does does your does Jesus pay the temple tax? He says yes, I think so. Basically, you get him, and then goes to Jesus, who says, um, well, "What does he say?" It was it was quite quite. Basically, he, t- he tells Peter to go to go and catch a fish, and in the in the fish's mouth, there's a gold coin, and, and yeah, you go, it's got Caesar's face on it, and, and it's got, um, and he goes and t- they they go and use that to pay the temple tax. Um, yeah, and it's a sort of slightly ambivalent towards the this sort of um, the overreach there, isn't it? Um, I mean, he pays it, but he pays it with God's providence rather than sort of willingly i guess i don't really know um yeah yeah i think that the 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 saying of jesus render render unto caesar what belongs to caesar and unto god what belongs to god is itself ambivalent isn't it? it's ambiguous because it raise it just raises the question of what belongs to caesar and what belongs to god it doesn't right, say, yeah it doesn't say it doesn't imply that all your material goods belong to caesar and that he, no. he could he can he can potentially just confiscate them from you and that 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 be just it does imply the legitimacy of some civil realm of of governance and and taxation and i think that that's the case and we talked about this before haven't we about romans um romans 13 sort of seems to imply a similar thing you know like there's there's a there's a place for the civil magistrate who wields the sword taxation is implied in in that role um but i would say it doesn't give you a sort of can't blanch as a as a ruler to you know yeah so, so this is what's so, just so this is matthew 17 22 um i just found it here um and jesus when he came back jesus before even peter asks the uh the question of jesus um about the temple tax jesus asked simon um what do you think simon from whom do the kings of the earth take toll or tribute from their children or from others when peter said from others jesus said to him then the children are free however so that we do not give offense to them go to the lake cast a hook take the first fish that comes up and when you open its mouth you'll find a coin take that and give it to them for you and me it's an inter- i mean it's a slightly ambivalent sort of thing i mean he's obviously talking about the children of um, israel there isn't he so um it's an implication being that the children of israel shouldn't be taxed for the temple um uh but there's a there's a sort of i guess can we take a parallel there um uh, sh- should the children be free to um to be able to sort of live their lives with with minimum kind of um taxation and uh beyond necessary necessity i don't know um 
it's interesting also that he says so that we we shouldn't give offense yeah reminds me of what paul says in is it one timothy two where he talks about um you know praying for leaders that we may live a quiet and godly life you know almost like so i guess i guess my question would be then uh, my answer would be something along the lines of is what you're doing furthering the kingdom or just going to needlessly cause offense upset and and trouble upon you in which case um just pay uh and if it but if 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 um it's a it's a kingdom matter then so for example um you know if if sadiq khan tried to charge people um money to go to church or banned the unvaccinated from going to church or some mad cap kind of um uh the some madcaps that overreach a government that was actually impacting the kingdom, then you then that would be the time to stand, stand up and say no, and be counted. Yeah, over something I, I that's the, the sort of uh, the counter to that would be that this whole thing about taxing movement is ultimately going to going to constitute an attack on the church because it's if it's not already, it's it's it will eventually um, mean that it's people are being essentially taxed for going to church because they they're doing things which cost which now cost money because of tax which didn't cost money previously that's actually happened here in Winchester they've start they used to have um, free parking I saw this yeah. yeah free parking in the city center and now they've just they've just un, the council have just unilaterally unilaterally imposed parking charges uh, particularly around the cathedral area so that people are now having to pay seven pounds fifty ten pounds to park. In the city where previously they'd taken, uh, they'd been charged nothing. And the justification of the council is, well, you know, climate change doesn't care about your, you know, your, your, your uh, outrage. Uh, you just have to pay this because this is a, this is going to, climate change is going to destroy us all, et cetera, et cetera. And you can literally justify anything by, by invoking the end of the world. You know, I was, we were just talking before, before the, the episode about my, trip to the cinema and there was this ad, there was this advert um for eon which i think is is it an insurance company anyway it just it had these people who were singing this song we've got all the time in the world in different settings and like one of them was in a forest which was on fire one of them was in a whirlwind being kind of you know swept away one of them was in a in a in a city that was being flooded literally flooded all the buildings were were underwater and then it's it concluded with the with the phrase you know we some something like we we need to we need to join together to fight climate change now implying that if we don't then you know we're all going to be burned in a fire or we're all going to be swept away in a hurricane or our cities are going to be underwater it's it's annoying it isn't it because anything by that kind of logic and it's very annoying in this because um you know i i do think that um I think we're, we're we're broadly on the same page, but also in slightly different places. Because um, I, I, you know, I, I believe in small scale environmentalism. I do believe in, um, you know, making sure that our, you know, um, our, we look after, we husband our resources, and um, I, I believe in that. Yes. And yeah, I know you do. And and why are um, we in places then? Uh, because you know, and I, and I think that includes sort of oil and coal, and you know, moving away from from a sort of relatively fine, more finite resources um, that can damage areas to um, to, um, to to more sort of. Um, I personally think that, and this is the thing about you know when we spoke about Oppenheimer and, and the nuclear bomb in, in our Reverend uh, Uncollard, and that's the only other thing is that we did get this technology of of of, of energy from it um, harnessed in a peaceful way. That you know would they have managed to do that without it? Who knows? But um, yeah, the um, the um, uh, the but the the whole sort of relentless 
attack on our freedoms, on our on our prosperity, on our um, on our guilt uh, in in the name of a purported disaster is is a very different ball game, you know. And they're frightening, uh, they're frightening people as well. Yeah, that's, just that's scary. Yeah. That that you know, it's actually crazy causing... the facts. Then that's very scary watching an yeah. advert like that. Sorry, yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you. no, I agree, and and it's, it's annoying because the IPCC deliberately say in their reports that they haven't been able to link any of these events, floodings, forest fires, hurricanes, to 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 the changing climate. Mm. They they say that's what they say. There's no there's no you know there's it's it's not certain. So it's just it's it's cherry picking and presenting doom laden. Um, uh, results when when actually it'd be more helpful perhaps to uh, to do it in a sort of much more rational way. Um, it's annoying. Um, I wish I wish they wouldn't. And it's the same as COVID, isn't it? The fear was the first thing they jumped on was fear, cherry picking the most fearful things and then just shoving yeah. them in everyone's faces as much as possible. Yeah. So just to return to this thing about the Blade Runners, I mean, on the face of it, you know, one doesn't one can't sort of be just willy nilly supporting acts of vandalism. But in yeah. the in the context of the the, the larger picture, um, there there is there is certainly a, a significant concern here about the way that governments, uh, councils, and other people in positions of power are abusing the notion of climate change and environmental disaster in order to tax people. And to control their lives, and this could it could, could potentially get worse and worse and worse. It can, it is already affecting the church. I would say, and it could get that could get a lot worse as well. So on the face, it's, it's annoying. It's sort of becoming a sort of test act, isn't it? Yeah, uh, and I think that's I think that's the problem I have with it. You know, as, as they they're moving into more and more things, there's something about um, uh, seminaries having to teach it. You know. And it's you know, but it's not it's not it's not a biblical doctrine. It shouldn't have anything to do with the church. It shouldn't be a test act. It should be quite possible to be a Church of England or indeed a Christian of any sort and not subscribe to to the alarm alarmism. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not it's not a doctrine of the faith, is it? Even even the notion, Tom, I would argue that environmentalism, any kind of environment care for the environment is is, is important. Is not a doctrine of Christianity. It's just not. There are Christians well, like, who disagree with that. Like yeah. People who are pre-millennial dispensationalists, like brethren people, that specifically say that environmentalism is irrelevant because the world is is going to be destroyed and replaced with a new world, and that's a perfectly that's a personally perfectly reasonable biblical viewpoint. Now, it's not it's not something I, I think it's a slight slightly simplistic viewpoint because I think it's it's more accurate to say that there will be elements of continuity and discontinuity between this world and the the, the world that God will will make at the end of history. Um, but nevertheless, environmentalism is not a central doctrine. Well, it's not. It's not a doctrine of the of the Christian faith. It's not. It, you, the 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 strongest argument you can you can make is to say that it's the implication of the doctrines of Christianity. But you can't say that it's sort of taught by Christ or the apostles or anything no. of that sort, or even no. or even that there's any kind of tradition of it in the no. church because there just isn't. No. So that's that. Right. We, we, we sort of sorted that out, Tom. I'm sure that will never come up ever again. Um, um, should, we, should we move on to the other, the, the other big story? The then? other big story. Go on. Oh, this is the um, stained glass, the pandemic stained glass. Um, oh, yeah, so let's let's summarise what it is, shall we, first. Yeah. Uh, ch- a church in uh, Cambridgeshire, Whittlesford Parish Church, is thought to have been the first in the UK to have a stained glass window depicting scenes from the COVID-19 pandemic. 
says the BBC website. Scenes within the stained glass include doctors working in PPE and a woman delivering shopping to an elderly man. Uh, the Windows project team said they wanted it to be a beacon of hope, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Reverend Alistair Coles uh, said they came up with the idea in autumn 2020 at the height of the pandemic. Uh, we decided very quickly to make the theme of it about caring, to honour the caring people that we'd seen during the pandemic, both professionally, but also by people in the village who were looking after one another. So there we are. Uh, I don't know if there's anything else worth reading there. So we've got these no, pictures. Yeah. I mean, I... it's quite hard to actually see the pictures in the main picture on the BBC website. Yeah, it's not the full thing. The bottom I mean, left, you've you know... got these doctors. And then, yeah, there's a blown up picture of a woman. I don't know where that in... woman. She's wearing a mask. Talk. I don't know where that is in the actual. No, I mean, it's it's not clear, is it? And the, the, man so... is, the man is sitting there reading something alone in a dark. Yeah. It's a fairly depressing scene, really, isn't it? Well, I mean, I, don't, I think they're actually quite nice windows and some of the art style i quite find quite attractive um i don't know what you think um i see like the bunting um yeah it's fine i think it's all fine except for all the horrible modern stuff that's in it you know some of it's quite sort of stylish isn't it but you know, i don't know anyway sorry carry on. There, there are some there's some things which i don't know because i'm a bit divided on this because you know in one sense it's right to start engaging in art with what's happened i guess um and the church does do that over the years you know there, there are some great you know um um sort of pieces of art that respond to events um yeah. but um and it's also worth saying as well tom isn't it on that that um it's 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 a it's a style of of, of church architecture and decoration to have scenes from everyday life in stained glass windows particularly well, it reminds me of, it reminds me of the kind of traditional medieval kind of um wall paintings almost um yeah and i guess it's what what are they portraying and what are they saying um and there's yeah um the, the, the bit that worries me about it is is it commending the church's response and the societal response or is it lamenting if it's lamenting that's fine and I think I think I think probably it is lamenting. Like, look how sad the the man is. Look how destitute the woman is, with kind of in in that sort of dark blue, kind of trapped, isolated, um, uh, a kind of um, I don't know. What do you think? I, I I'm I'm not actually overly worried by it as a, as a piece of art or or an idea. Um, I'm not I'm not worried by it. I don't I don't think that. The intention is to lament. I think the intention, as as the the is it the rector says, it's about um, it's honouring the caring people that we'd seen during the pandemic. Um, and it's it's difficult, isn't it? Because if you're, you know, what would be a kind of ideal image from our perspective of <laughs> what happened during the the COVID nineteen crisis from a visual perspective. It's it's hard to say, isn't it? I mean, do you, I, my my sort of feeling would be that I don't want to see any of it. You know, I don't want to see images from the from the, that time in a stained glass window because I think these are images which speak not of not unambiguously of care and consideration, but of a, a, a society wide, um, well, catastrophically damaging society wide error or series of errors and and worse 
yeah I, yeah i don't I, you know i don't i don't like seeing images of people in masks you know i think it's dehumanizing i actually no, think i agree there's a there's a there's an argument to say that's actually satanic i think because the 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 image of of god is is primarily seen in the human face and so to cover up to cover up the human face is to cover up the image of god in humanity i think that's why satanists wear masks in their ceremonies probably um in order intentionally to to deface the image of god um and i don't think think we should glorify i don't think we should glorify the wearing of masks i don't think we should glorify um the response I, I sort of, I sort of agree. Course, I mean, because you want to, you want to, you want to say that people genuinely were caring and helping other people. But you know what? You know, I, I took, I took food to people um, when they needed it. Uh, people who were very scared and isolated. Yeah. Um, and um, and other people did, and there was a, there was. I mean, it's not, you know. Yeah, but why does she have to be wearing a mask? Because people did then. I mean, I, I guess. I mean, I, I did when I took food to to the to the lady who who needed it. I, I did wear a mask. Why? I didn't believe it did anything, but I knew that if I didn't, she would be terrified, and so therefore I did it for her. I hated it every moment of it, but in the end, um, she, you know, there was no, um, it wasn't my choice. It was, it was. If, formed by how i mean i mean i guess you could on the other hand say oh but you were you self-perpetuating a cycle of terror and making her you know maybe maybe hardcore to make though um what i wanted to do was just make sure she had enough to eat and not worry her um so i didn't do it often i don't know um it's it'd be very hard to do a sort of artistic response to to the disaster of the church's covid response um and and it was a disaster just as much as a disaster as as the um as the wider covid response has because it 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 denied the essential nature of church it denied the necessity of church it denied the um uh the right to perform religion um and uh it rendered humanity down into a sort of utilitarian all you need really is a bit of food you can sit in a room on your own as long as you've got food and drink and booze from the corner shop you don't need anything else um and then pretended that 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 the substitutes of internet and telephone conversations and zoom were sufficient um and i think it's done immeasurable you know damage to to the church uh, because in the end people have probably quite rightly gone if they really cared about it if they really believed it would they have done that um and um and the answer you know that's a question i have um if you really believed man cannot live by bread alone but on every word that comes forth from the mouth of god then um then you might have done something a bit differently and indeed in previous pandemics we had you know very definitely deliberately said we'll keep the church open yeah. in order to provide spiritual needs um, because that's more important than than uh, than the transmission risk. Uh, now, I don't, how, how would you even portray that, though? Uh, but you can celebrate, I think, those who, you know, some of the community, I'm not talking about the silly kind of clapping of hands or banging of pots or whatever, um, or, or sort of um, the... Uh, the 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 lionization of the nhs which uh, willingly and culpably um has caused the damage to itself that we now see in the cancer rates in fact there's a lovely there's a 
hard-hitting article by Alan Pearson in the Telegraph about that, just saying. I assume that's uh, Alison Pearson, not uh, Alan. Sorry, yeah, sorry, Alison Pearson. Pearson. Um, she's on um, some kind of transition. <laughs> it would be ironic, wouldn't it? Um, uh, the um, uh, <laughs> Alison Pearson and um, about how just how awful the, the the cancer survival rates are now. Um, something which, um, but you know, and and the, uh, we've been hearing about the damage to children. Um, as well, uh, which is all true, um, and but there is something to be said about um, a healing process, I guess. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't think I see it in the same way, Tom. I think no. too. I think we're too. Um, you're being too soft on on what happened. I think, and I agree with you. I agree with the the principle you've just you've just outlined there. Um, but I think that the actual specifics in in their in their outworking were evil. And I wouldn't, uh, you know, I wouldn't wear a mask. I don't think it's the right thing to do to wear a mask because I think it's a perpetuation of evil. And it's, it's, yeah. it's a, it's, it was, it was intentionally designed, you know, and this has been empir- empirically proven as far as I'm concerned by Laura Dosworth in a state of fear uh, to scare people. There was no, yeah. there is, no, there was, I, I, there is no scientific evidence that they do. I completely it. agree. I, I'm not saying yeah. that, that, that that's not true. All I'm saying is that when you're in a case of, um, you know, here is someone who's been scared out of their heads about this uh, and uh, and they're terrified and but they still need your help then how do you how do you do that um uh the um it's not as easy a, a question an answer as as sort of as as a, as a kind of simple one i guess I'm not, um, I'm, not, I'm not saying it is i just don't i just don't think it's it's the right thing to wear a mask i i wouldn't i i, I mean look i wore a mask once because i needed to go into my hospital into hospital to be with my grandmother while she was dying and I wouldn't be able to go in otherwise. Um, so I, I you know, I, I can't say I never wore one. Um, but I, on the whole, I think it's, I think it's wrong to be complicit in, in this, yeah. what was going on. The other thing I'd say as well about these images is you've got this image in the bottom left corner here of this, um, these doctors in PPE with this dying patient. I think the other, the thing that that makes me think about is the way that, um, uh, you know, people were left to die in hospital by themselves they were forbidden to be with their with their family their family were forbidden to be with them as they were dying people died alone in hospital um and they weren't they weren't allowed that normal human comfort and that was utterly inhumane and and evil and wicked and wrong and it's completely unjustifiable and that image that's that's what that image makes me think you know there's this person dying alone his family aren't there the only people who are there are, are doctors whose faces are completely obscured by ppe um and i just you know for me that's an image of, of horror and and moral torpor and not not an image that that brings brings any kind of yeah, you know positivity okay. or, or anything uh, anything benefit Another, i know uh, i know people i know you know i for example some a person i know uh whose um husband died uh because of um a certain a certain thing which we can't even mention and she wasn't she wasn't allowed to go into hospital while he was dying and just informed about it via via telephone you know and to my mind that's just evil you know, it's utterly, utterly evil and wicked and wrong. And it, it's indicative. It's I mean, it is indicative of what you say, Tom, about, um, you know, this thing about bare life. Like the only thing that matters is just keeping people alive. But I, the, the logic of that leads to completely inhumane and evil behavior. Yeah. And I don't think it should be celebrated. And, you know, and so just a little thought experiment that I thought of while you, you were talking there. 
Now, look, I'm not saying, I'm not comparing what happened to um, the Second World War or the Nazis or the Holocaust or anything like that. But presumably within Nazi Germany, there were acts of kindness done by individuals. But I don't think you would ever depict that um, and, and intentionally include images and symbols that glorified Nazism. And I, I would say a similar, I would draw an analogy. I'm not saying it's equivalent. I'm just saying it's the same kind of thing. To me, the mask is an image of evil. And I would not put it on a stained glass window for that that reason in this way. So no, okay. I mean, I, I mean, the other the other side you could look at it is as a um, equivalent of those kind of pictures of hell they used to have in um, Paris yeah. churches. Well, put it on um, the west wall and like you know with all <laughs> demons and like flames around it, and maybe that's right. You know, like um, looking at looking at the whole pit window, I found it on Facebook uh, or some of it anyway. It's quite hard yeah. to find um, an entire picture of it. Um, it's uh, I mean, on the whole, it's 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 not it's not sort of filled with masky things. Um, so find an image of the whole thing. Here we are. Um, ah, I just want to see the whole thing. Facebook. That's just why I don't like Facebook. Um, they got to on, come on Facebook. Sort it come out. On, sort We're out making Facebook. a podcast here. Um, <laughs> uh, the um, I can't get the whole thing up. Um, I don't know. Um, sort of. Uh, I, I do think the the at the, the bottom, especially there's some really quite somber images of sadness and it's very blue um and that, that continues down so the so the one on the bbc stops with the sort of doctors but actually it's only halfway down mm -hmm. the actual image and as you go below it's very cold um dead sort of dead trees and and cold blue yeah um and sad people yeah uh so i don't know whether it is entirely saying you know i, I probably there is a sort of sense of 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 gripping with some of that isolation uh, the dead, empty church without any light shining out of its windows. The um, yeah, um, yeah. Well, maybe maybe the intention of the art artist is more nuanced than the comments of the the rector. I shall send. I shall send you it now. You can have a look. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, we should. There you we, go. Oh well. Okay. Um, I'll look. Um, I'll just have a quick look. We should probably move on in a minute. We probably should. But um, I know you need to go. Oh yeah, I can see it there. Is that Greta Thunberg in the bottom right hand corner? I hope not. I don't think so. Someone who looks like a kind of child saint in the bottom right-hand corner. Yeah, no, I, I, you, I take the point about it all being blue. I mean, that, that is true. It is very blue. Um, and then what's, you know, the thing that's redeeming it um, is this sort of the green, the, the kind of gathered crowds, the, 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 the bunting of partying, you know, the hugging mm -hmm. uh, bottom right corner. Yeah. The child with a rainbow. I don't think it's Greta Thunberg. It's kind of um, the rainbow, uh, you know, yeah. promise of God. It's just, it's just in the narrative, though. It's just promoting the narrative, isn't it? Oh, we went through this hard time. We did. We did. We, we did go through a hard time. We, we um, protected the NHS, and then we came through it. And now we can all go to church and hug each other again. I just, you know, I no, just I, I get what a true narrative. I do get what you're saying there, but um, but also, ah, uh, but also the, the sort of objective experience of a lot of people coming through it is of that mm. and it's not their fault they've been led to a destructive ideology by corrupt and um feckless leaders so i don't know no yeah um anyway i i quite i quite actually quite like the art style of it i'd get him to do a, a window in my church um, it's, if we're a modern stained glass window it's quite tasteful attractive yeah 
Most 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 modern stained glass windows are appalling. Yeah. Um, anyway, anyway yeah. before we get into something a bit more obscure, uh, we're we're going to go um, we're going to go for some question of the rev in a minute and some emails. But just to say uh, to listeners that if you've got this far, uh, you may want to consider supporting this podcast if you don't already. Um, we rely on listener support. Uh, I do not receive a salary for my vickering work and I live off this money uh, and and a little bit of money I do um, get from other sources. I, I have a Substack blog, for example, jamiefranklin.substack.com, but I live off the money. Uh, we need money for the overheads to run this podcast. So your donations really, really help us uh, to run this podcast. And when we have to do other things like live events or uh, get merchandise or whatever it is um the money really really helps so you can become a patron for as little as one pound 50 plus vat in the uk per month and you can do, do that by going to reverendpod.com and clicking on the big red patreon button button and for your your support regardless of how much you give you get our free audio podcast uncollared which is just a little thing we do each week where we Sometimes it's funny. Sometimes it's more serious. Like we talked about Oppenheimer and uh, nuclear war this week. So it's a bit more serious, but you know, it's often funny, uh, often, um, you know, gives you a little insight into things that perhaps we think and do, which we wouldn't talk about normally on the podcast, uh, which we just share with our, with our patrons. Um, so you get that, you get the episodes early. And of course you get the joy of supporting uh, the podcast as well. So go to irreverendpod.com and click on the big red button and become a patron today or you can go to buymeacoffee.com and uh, buy us a coffee, uh, which is just for people who don't want to give monthly. You can just give a one-off donation and leave us a little message there. We frequently read those out, uh, but I don't have those up at the moment, so I'm, I'm not going to read them out this week, but I probably will next week. Um, but we really appreciate anything you can you can give to the podcast. Really, really, really helps us. So reverendpod.com, click on the red button or the yellow one. But now, Tom, having said all of that, it is time for a bit of this. Drum roll, please. There we are. Yes, Tom, once again, it's time for Question of Rev. With me, Reverend J, and you, Reverend P. I have to keep talking throughout this whole musical bit. You can always fade it out, Jenny. <laughs> I, I really like the end. I really yeah. like that bit, yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. Great question um, this week. We've sort of touched on quite a lot of these things through, so it works quite well with the uh, with the um, yeah. With the, so go on, do you, you read it out, James? I'll read it out. Okay, yeah. uh, dear reverends, I'm 19 and currently interrailing around Europe. It's great to know that we've got 19 year olds listening to this show. The demographic, I think, skews a little bit older, so it's great to have younger people listening. The last stop on the journey was a couple of days in Prague. When I was there, I took the opportunity to visit the crypt of Saint Cyril and Methodius Serbian Orthodox Church, where in 1942. After the assassination of Reinhard Heydrich, the governor of Bohemia and Moravia, those who had taken part in Operation Anthropoid made a final stand against the Germans. This resulted in an hours-long gunfight which left all the resistance fighters dead, either from their wounds or by suicide after the crypt was deliberately flooded. Following on from the visit, I am left wondering what stance I should take on this situation and others like it. Whilst they were undoubtedly fighting a great evil, I find myself conflicted when considering the attitude Jesus took to those who oppress us. Should we celebrate those who attack and even kill despots whose actions are demonstrably evil? Or should we similarly, or sorry, or should we simply accept that we will suffer oppression in this world and remain in hope for the next? 
Many thanks to you and to Revs Dan and Tom for this podcast, which, like a sword or a voice in the wilderness, cuts through the malaise of the world. I look forward to each new episode, which helps to pass the hours traveling between cities. Best wishes, James. Fantastic. Wonderful email. Go on, Tom. Mm. What's your... What's your, what's your well, I'm just going to get something. You carry on. <laughs> it's a... It's a it... It's a very hard question. We sort of um, uh, talked about this in Uncollared. So if you are um, not a Patreon, then go on Patreon and pay us pound fifty plus VAT and have a listen because um, it will t- touch on this again now, though. Um, mm-hmm. there, so these were um, SOE um, operatives, um, special operations executive, trained uh, military um, uh, soldiers from the Czechoslovakian army. Um, who also worked for the um, resistance in Czechoslovakia, and they um, managed to kill Heydrich, who was by um, who was a, a high-ranking um, Nazi, and um, it was the only high-ranking Nazi to be ass- assassinated mm. uh, in um, successfully. Uh, there were a few attempts, of course, um, and of course Bonhoeffer himself was was uh, was party to an attempt to kill Hitler, wasn't he? Is that, is that right? Or um, yeah. so yeah. I mean, he absolutely um, was. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, on the other hand, the death of um, Heydrich led to severe reprisals, mm. um, and indeed uh, the destruction of. Um, villages the mass killing of civilians um in retribution uh, i don't know obviously these very brave men um and knew probably w- what they were getting into when they when they when they started the operation um is what they did morally correct um well it could well be it could well be a just action to take uh, he was a, a member of a violent, oppressive, evil regime that were murdering people. Yeah. Um, the question, I guess, that sort of sits in my head is, is that other than his value as a propaganda kind of exercise, did it actually do any good? I mean, did, did, did or, or did another, a bit like um, Tolstoy's kind of theory of history, um, <clears throat> did another evil man simply rise to the same post and they killed a load of civilians in reprisals and they're back to pretty much the same as they were before one person who was de- evil yes was dead uh but uh, a lot of civilians died and um uh a um another sort of similarly evil just as but even better protected man came to the fore i don't know that's my question mm-hmm. yeah it's it's a i think it's a, just all it's a very it's a it's a it's a an issue and an area where Christians have said different things throughout the ages. And uh, I'm, I, like we spoke about on Uncola Tom would say that I think a just war is theoretically possible. And I think just wars have been prosecuted at least in part in history, but that the threshold is very high, particularly in an age nowadays where um, weapons are so destructive. So what I just got off my shelf is this book um, in defense of war, which is by Nigel, Nigel Bigger, Nigel, Nigel Bigger, who um, he is, uh, he at least he was a professor of um, was it ethics at Christchurch, Oxford. Uh, he's a, he's a, as, as far as I can see, I think he's a pretty orthodox Christian uh, priest. And um, it's quite a good book because it lays out a lot of this, a lot of this in, in, a, in, in, a, in some detail, but accessible as well. 
just to just to say there is a just war criteria in the Christian tradition and the six criteria which uh, bigger lays out are uh, just cause legitimate authority right intention last resort proportionality and prospect of success so that that it's got to meet a just war has to meet all of those criteria in order for it to be just it has to meet every single one and if it fails on any of them then um then it's not it doesn't you know it's not a just war so i guess what you're saying tom about you know it, it, it leading to more death or whatever i guess that would be prospect of success it would maybe fail on that because it wouldn't it wouldn't actually constitute a success if what you're looking to do is bring about safety for for the people who are being uh, being killed or being damaged by hydric uh proportionality as well you know that's an that's an important one when we talk about the the damage that weapons that we possess nowadays um can do so you know if you if you um start a nuclear war for example in order to end an evil regime uh, it's likely that a nuclear war will cause more damage than the regime that you're actually getting rid of in the first place so it's so it's not justified from that perspective i'm just talking entirely hypothetically there uh so i think it's it, all i'm saying is i just think it's a it's a really really big area where people have said christians have said different things there are thinkers like john howard yoda and uh, stanley Hauervas who would say that war is is um is always inimical to a Christian ethic because as a follower of Christ, you just, you cannot engage in, in the ways of the world in this, this manner, you know, Christ explicitly teaches a, a doctrine of nonviolence um, and the implication bit of it being pacifism, you know, my kingdom is not of this world. If, if it were my, my servants would have been fighting. Um, and there's clearly something to that. I mean, I'm not saying I, I'm not saying that that answers all, all questions, but obviously, as followers of Christ, that should be our first, that should be our first kind of point of call. And then the further question is: Is it ever justified in any circumstances? So, not sure that's very helpful. But biggest book is good. So yeah. there we are. Anyway, so I think we've done that, Tom. We, we've answered that question, haven't we? Yeah. Uh, a couple we've of got, things. Got time for one email, probably. And then I've got to... How many minutes have you got? I've got about 10 minutes maximum. Okay, well, there's loads of time. So, uh, hi, folks. I agreed with the thrust of both responses to the email and climate from last week, but Daniel citing the energetic conservation activities of Prince Philip was not the best example of stepping lightly upon the earth in Franciscan simplicity. It is well known he supported the depopulation agenda and could hardly be described as living a life of poverty himself. Also, I would like to know um, which is it to be a communistic or a surveillance capitalist technocracy we are to face. Perhaps you have a my, uh, in mind a hybrid, truly nightmarish. Oh, yes. And trans-vegan curry is definitely on the menu in our house. Now, uh, is that a meat curry that identifies as vegan? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. That all makes perfect sense, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I don't see any reason why you can't have a communist surveillance capitalist. Oh, no, because capitalism and communist, I, I hear what he's saying. He's, he's kind of... Um, oh, you got China, haven't you, which sort of is, is communist surveillance capitalist type thing at the same time, isn't it? I mean, they're sort of yeah. trying... Um, yeah, I suppose capitalism is at least in part about free markets, isn't it? And communism, you don't have free markets. So. Yeah, but I mean, they're the sort of part, part capitalist, part communist kind of... Yeah. Uh, well... I mean, yeah. I think I think it is a kind of global global communist think, um, surveillance state that's being set up. So maybe, may I don't know. It's interesting the word capitalist there in that in that context, isn't it? I've never really I think, thought about that. 
I think um, Prince Philip, uh, I mean, it's un- a little bit unfair to say that he, I mean, I don't actually think that him and the Queen lived particularly opulent lifestyles as it happens. Um, I, I believe that they used to sit in front of a five bar electric heater in a big, I mean, you know, cry me a tear, I know, um, in, in, in their big sort of drafty palaces. Uh, they, they weren't kind of, um, they weren't, um, you know, living the life of a super rich yacht on the, on the, on the Mediterranean type stuff. But anyway. Um, like she did have her own yacht. Uh, well, yes. But she lost it. No, the HMS Britannia was the States yacht. It was always the States. Oh, yeah, but she could use it whenever she wanted. It was basically her yacht. Wasn't well, it wasn't it? a pleasure yacht. You couldn't, she couldn't just go, like, I want to go cruising in the, you know, Hebrides okay. today. Princess Anne, I believe, owned, owned a yacht or owns a yacht. She has a Rustler 42. She's she's the best royal, isn't she? Let's face it. Yeah. Uh, so they sail it up in the Scottish islands. Um, lovely yeah. boat. Lovely boat. If I had if I had a yacht, it would be a Rustler 42. Um, maybe the, she um, this podcast. Maybe, maybe. Maybe. Give me a yacht. If anyone, wants to, if anyone has one and wants to take me out for <laughs> sailing, you know, I've got my day skipper. Um, the... <laughs> um, the um, and and I, his talking of when he talks about the depopulate because he famously said, "Do you want to be? What do you want to be reincarnated as? I'm a virus." Um, I I think Can he had a sense. Of, oh yeah, God. yeah, but I think he had a sense of humour, um, <laughs> which yeah, uh, is quite clearly funny, funny joke. Uh, <laughs> well, now, <laughs> um, uh, I don't know. Um, uh, anyway, nice email. Thank you. Thank you yeah, for uh, yeah. Thanks. Thanks, thanks for sending it in. Um, yeah, no, right. it's an interesting point about the communism and surveillance capitalism thing. I hadn't yeah. thought about that. Uh, two more things, just briefly. Uh, Nancy, Jamie's this email says, Jamie, Christ is in our midst, which I'm taking to be not a blasphemy. Um, I've <laughs> some reviews. I guess you're reading some from the iTunes app. If you haven't read mine and maybe a couple of others that are on the Apple podcast app, for that matter, if you're also on Spotify, you better check their app site as well. I haven't had a chance to do all of that, says Nancy, but I did check the Chartable website and I did see a number of new ones. One says, the best Christian and current affairs podcast, wait for this, Tom, in the world. In the world, goodness the me. The best, and the word best is in capital letters, like the best. And it says, witty and gritty conversation on current issues and how faith in Christ can help to navigate the challenges of our time through love. My favourite podcast, favourite podcast, Tom. And I can't, I'm looking for Nancy's, but I can't actually find it. There's one who gave a review whose name is... Um, uh, repent of your heresy that's his name and he's written great podcast love listening to these guys informative and encouraging to hear fellow christians raise eyebrows at the narrative that surround us i'm not in the c of e but can relate to the same issues coming into my own church movement also tom pelham sounds like louis theroux which has been said it has been said before and soothing to the ears as opposed to the usual bleeding ears from lord s greta Five stars out of five. However, I was always going to say Jamie. <laughs> no, no, no. The only re- annoying thing about these guys is that they rebuke us listeners for not reviewing them. Yeah, well, I mean, if you want if you want to talk about people being rebuked for reviews, you should listen to uh, Nick Dixon on the Weekly Skeptic. He goes absolutely mental when anyone even says anything remotely negative. He went on like a an expletive laden twenty minute rant on the last on a couple of weeks ago. So we at least we don't do that. Um, I can't find Nancy's one, so we'll just have to leave there. So, Tom, come to the end of the show, but this is this is uh, relevant. We were talking about the sign-off last week, and I have actually thought this through now, so I'll just read this out. Uh, Jamie, Tom, Daniel, stay awake sounds a bit too much like stay woke for my liking. I would try to incorporate faith. So he says keep the faith, maybe not the best. Somewhere out there, there's an absolute killer sign-off. This has to be put out to your followers, surely, uh, says Robert. Now, my idea, Tom is that our sign-off should be, I say, until next time, 
keep watch and keep the faith. And then you reply, you know, keep the faith or whatever you want to say. And that's 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 my idea. What do you think? I mean, you could surely, uh, um, surely, it's just a little bit um, what performative. I don't know. Uh, it could go a bit more biblical, couldn't we? There's something about watchmen somewhere. Um, yeah, but Jesus is always saying things like "keep watch." That's that's totally biblical. Yeah, I know. I know it is. Yeah. All right. Keep watch. Keep it's, the faith. Keep watch and keep the faith like that. Um, we could say it together if you want. We can no, say no, that'd be weird. Same, that'd, 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 we'll do it in a minute after we've done our, our prayer at the end. I think I think you should do, you do keep watch and I say keep the faith. Okay, yeah. All right, let's try that's that. The, that's the sign off, yeah. How are we going to do it when it's all three of us, though? Um, I don't know. Uh, have a third clause. Keep watch, keep the faith. Uh, um... Go woke, go broke. <laughs> go woke. <laughs> <laughs> keep watch keep the faith donate to a reverend pod um no <laughs> <laughs> yeah, donate to our podcast um uh, keep watch keep the faith keep keep it up all right now i'm not yeah, doing that it's terrible no. right should we do our prayer and then we'll go let's, yeah. let's go uh do you want you do it because i did the prayer earlier so, so let's pray heavenly father we ask for um your blessing upon all the listeners of this podcast and we just pray for all those who we have touched in one way or another um pray that your spirit might dwell with them um, we give thanks for this ministry and give thanks for our listeners we pray for all the issues that we've talked about we pray for this um, these blade runners for wisdom I pray that Sadiq Khan will be filled with the wisdom of the spirit and come to know you our lord and savior and we pray also for this church in Cambridge um, that they may uh, be bold to proclaim the truth of the gospel. Amen. Amen. Very nice. Right, Tom. Well, that's the end of the episode now. Thanks to everyone for listening, as always, uh, for being so amazing. And until next time, keep watch. And keep the faith. <laughs> <laughs>